here's the reality. We are all flawed human beings that are absolutely ruined by sin. Yet through Jesus Christ, God's Son, he doesn't just fix our daily problems. He desires to transform us and to give us a new heart to see where our problems are rooted. Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today, where we teach biblical truth for changing times. I'm Steve Conover. If you're not yet acquainted with our ministry, I invite you to request a free one-year subscription to our award-winning magazine, Israel My Glory. We'll send this beautiful and informative magazine into your home absolutely free. It's up to you to continue, and you will not be charged at any time during the trial. If you love Israel and God's chosen people, I know you'll want to have Israel My Glory magazine coming into your home for a full year. Visit foiradio.org to learn more and sign up for your free subscription to Israel My Glory magazine. You can also call us at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. We'll give that contact info again later. Last week, we looked at the life of Elijah. Today, our host and teacher, Chris Katolka, will be bringing us a wonderful word of encouragement from the life of Elisha. We often try to fix the problems in our lives on our own. Chris will show us through the life of Elisha how we can go from struggle to being transformed by a life of faith and trust in our loving Father. A listener asks, is there a difference between the modern state of Israel and the Israel of future biblical prophecy? We'll answer that today and later, Apples of Gold, read by Mike Kellogg. Now, let's join Chris. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the program. I really want to encourage you to go to our website, foiradio.org, And while you're there, you can listen to past programs, sign up for our award-winning magazine, Israel My Glory, and even purchase books and resources that are advertised on the show. All of that can be done at foiradio.org. Now today, we're going to take a look at the prophet Elisha. Elisha's name means, my God is salvation. And I like to consider Elisha the prophet of change in Israel, because to me, salvation always produces an ongoing change. But you know, the reality is this. People really don't want to change. We love to fix problems in our lives. We work hard to fix that problem, you know, of a few extra pounds, or we might try to fix that spending problem we have that puts us deeper into debt but we really don't like to change because change forces us to look on the inside to find out why we might overeat or why we might spend too much money. And typically statistics on New Year's resolutions start to make headlines around the last week of December and the first week of January. But I thought I'd give you the statistic now so that we can prepare ourselves better for our resolutions that are coming. And it's only early September, so I'm going to give you some time here. So here are the statistics. Are you ready? Only 8% of people fulfill their New Year's resolutions. 8%. That's nothing. That's a drop in the bucket. Just listen to some of these statistics. 65% of the people who enter long-term weight loss programs, which are the most healthy, mind you, gain all their weight back within three years. And for people who do the crash diets, you know, lose 10 pounds in 10 minutes, 
95% of those people regain all their weight. We love to fix problems. We love to fix them fast most of the time, but we really don't want to do the hard work of changing who we are. If we really desire change, I guarantee these percentages, they'd probably be a lot lower. If you really want to fix the problem that's plaguing your life, you have to change first on the inside. You have to change your heart. And then the product of that true heart change will produce in your life a healthy change to the problem that you've been wanting to fix. Issues that you've been wanting to fix are really rooted deeper into the areas of your heart. And, you know, talking about weight loss is easy because it's something we've all dealt with before and we can all relate to. But maybe some of you listening are dealing with much deeper issues. Drug addiction, sexual addiction, alcoholism. Problems where you've looked at yourself in the mirror and you really wanted to fix this problem, but you can't seem to ever make progress. And maybe you're asking yourself, can God really change me? Can he heal me? Could he ever make me whole? Well, I want to introduce you to an Old Testament prophet, Elisha. Not Elijah, Elisha. Elisha is a disciple and successor of Elijah. His story in the Bible begins at the end of 1 Kings, but much of his time ministering can be found in the first half of 2 Kings. There's one story in the ministry of Elisha that I, I want to focus on. It's the story of Naaman and how he was healed of his leprosy. The story opens in 2 Kings 5 with Naaman. He's the commander of the army of Syria, and the writer of 2 Kings says he was a great man. He was well-respected because of his accomplishments. But he had one issue. He had one big problem. He was a leper. He acquired a skin disease that society couldn't handle. Here is a well-respected and honored man whose skin disease could turn him into an outcast and an outsider. And it's a problem that Naaman definitely wanted to fix, and he wanted it fixed fast. Now, Naaman's wife had a servant girl who was an Israelite. And when the servant girl found out about Naaman's leprosy, she told Naaman's wife about a prophet who was in Israel. And the Israelite girl told Naaman's wife, he can cure him of his leprosy. Naaman listened to that little girl and told the king of Syria, and the king of Syria permitted Naaman to go to Israel to be healed. And the king said, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. When the king of Israel received the letter, he was incredibly upset that the king of Syria would ask him to heal Naaman. He actually tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of leprosy? Well, that's when Elisha heard about the commotion with the king of Israel and said, Let Naaman come to me now that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. And here's the best part, everyone. Naaman makes his way to Elisha's house and Elisha sends a messenger to Naaman and said this, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. Sounds easy, right? Well, Naaman was extremely upset at these words. 
And I'm sure he was thinking, that's it? Just walk down to the Jordan and wash seven times? Naaman actually says this, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hands over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away and went in rage. Naaman wanted more, my friends. He wanted Elisha to come out and wave his hands, do an abracadabra move, and voila, Naaman is fixed, problem solved. But that's not how God works. He doesn't wave a magic wand to fix us. God is in the business of changing people's hearts, not just fixing them. And the first step Naaman had to take to be changed was to have faith in the words of the Lord, to simply take a dip in the waters of the Jordan. Faith in the Lord is a powerful change agent in the lives of even those who may think could never be changed. Just think of the power of faith-based programs in jails around our country. Statistically, those who interact with a faith-based program while in jail are less likely to return. Why? Because they've been changed from the inside out. Just listen to this post from the Center for Public Justice on Faith-Based Programs and Recidivism. A study of New York prisoners who had taken part in prison fellowship Bible studies showed them to have a much lower recidivism rate than a matched group of prisoners who had not taken part in Bible studies. Of those who took part in only 10 Bible studies, a mere 14% were rearrested within the year of their release, while among the matched group of those who had not taken part in the Bible study, 41% were rearrested. Related to that, in a Texas program run by Prison Fellowship, of the 80 prisoners who have thus far participated in a Bible study, an amazingly low 5% are back in prison. Folks, that just goes to show the power of how God's Word can change us from the inside out. We all have problems we want to fix. We all have issues that we want to deal with. And like Naaman, it's easier to just want to deal with the external problem, the problem that we can see. When God really wants to change us from the inside out, he wants us to take that step of faith to show him that we really want him to not just fix our problems, but to transform us into people who look and act and speak more like his son, Jesus Christ. You know, after Naaman was healed of leprosy, he said in 1 Kings 5.15, I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Naaman put away all the false gods who he probably begged to fix the problem of his leprosy, and he turned to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who changed his life forever. Here's the reality. We will always have problems to fix because we are all flawed human beings that are absolutely ruined by sin. 
Yet through Jesus Christ, God's son, he doesn't just fix our daily problems. He desires to transform us and to give us a new heart to see where our problems are rooted. And you know what? He calls us to have faith and to walk into the waters like Naaman so that he can forever change us by his grace. The first step to change is the step of faith. And I hope you take it. When spiritual conversations come up, are you hesitant to share your faith? Are you fearful of the reaction of some of your family, friends, colleagues, or even some people in your church for defending what you believe? Well, we've all been there. And the prophet Elijah, one of the most remarkable prophets in Scripture, shows how his example of faith and courage has served as a pattern to inspire many to take risks for God's name and to be counted. In Dr. Will Varner's book, The Chariot of Israel, you'll be immersed in the life of Elijah and you'll see how the practice of the presence of God enables the child of God to stand before an unbelieving world in the boldness of fearless faith. If you want to challenge your faith and learn to take risks for God in all areas of your life, then you'll want to order your copy, The Chariot of Israel. You can order your copy at foiradio.org or call our toll-free number 888-343-6940. That's 888-343-6940. Over the past few weeks, I've been really excited to see our Ask FOI responses increase as more and more of you ask your questions. And if you're not familiar with our Ask FOI segment, it's a time that we answer some questions on air about the Bible, Israel, or even prophecy. So if you would like to participate in Ask FOI, if you have questions that you'd like to ask, just go to our website, foiradio.org. And there on our homepage, you'll find the Ask FOI section. It's really simple. And right there, you can submit your questions. So I look forward to hearing from you. Now, I received a great question from James Barber, who listens online. And he says this, Is there a difference between the modern state of Israel, so that's the Israel of today, and the Israel of future biblical prophecy? James, this, my friend, is a great question. And I believe a really important one for us to grasp, to kind of tackle. And so, James, to answer your question, let me simply state it like this right from the beginning. The answer is no, and the answer is yes. So first, let me answer why there is no difference between the modern state of Israel and the Israel of biblical prophecy. When when the scriptures speak prophetically about a future for Israel— The prophets are envisioning a future national Israel that includes a land, a people, and a blessing. The land is the land of Israel, the people are the Jewish people, and the blessing is that which comes from God and how God is going to use Israel to bless the the entire world. The big thing to see is that God's prophetic word promises a future to a national Israel, both in the Old Testament and 
and in the New Testament. So when you look at a modern Israel today, you see that they are an independent, sovereign, national state of the Jewish people. And in Israel's history, they've only had independent, sovereign control over the land three times. The modern state of Israel, which we see today, it's existed since 1948. For a short period of time between 165 BC and 63 BC, Israel was independent in what's called the Hasmonean period, and that's where the story of Hanukkah comes from. And then the first kingdom period from the Old Testament between 1000 BC and 586 BC. And that's where we read the stories of kings like David and Solomon. So the modern state of Israel and the Israel of the future is no different in that God has a specific plan for a national Israel. However, at the same time, the modern state of Israel and the Israel of their future are actually vastly different as well. And I believe that the difference can be found in Ezekiel 37, the passage of dry bones coming back to life. When Ezekiel the prophet is looking out at the valley of dry bones, he understands it's an image of Israel as a nation and a people that are decomposing and dead with no hope. But then Ezekiel sees these bones coming back together, and they're resurrecting. And and listen to what the prophet says in Ezekiel 37, 7, and 8. There was a sound when I prophesied, and I heard a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And as I watched, I saw tendons on them. Then muscles appeared and skin covered over them from above, but there was no breath in them. This, this imagery is the nation of Israel being resurrected and coming back to the land. But notice, they are without the breath of God. And without the breath of God, there is no divine life within them. They just stand there motionless until God tells Ezekiel to call on the breath of God to fill them with life. And I believe this is the key difference between the Israel of today and the Israel of prophecy. Could the Israel of today be the dry bones of Ezekiel brought back together? Yes. But there is one important component missing that makes them different, and that's the breath of God giving Israel life. And that divine breath comes when they trust in the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and the Lord gives them a new spirit. That was mentioned just a few a chapter earlier in Ezekiel chapter 36. So I do see that there are similarities, but I also see that there are differences between the modern state of Israel and the Israel of future biblical prophecy. James, thank you for your question, and I want to encourage our listeners. If you have a question about the Bible, Israel, or prophecy, don't hesitate to go to our website, foiradio.org, to ask your question. Israel, on the verge of becoming a state, a teenage Holocaust survivor arrives on her shores alone. His name is Svi Kalisher. Little did he know his search for a new life in the Holy Land would lead him to the Messiah. Svi, enthusiastic to share his faith, engaged others in spiritual conversations, many of which can be found in our magazine, Israel, My Glory. While Svi is now in the presence of his Savior, his collected writings from well over 50 years of ministry continue to encourage believers worldwide. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life of Svi. 
Whenever I visit Eilat in the south of Israel, I enjoy walking along the beach and meeting new people. On a recent visit, I met two men who looked disheveled, and when I tried to speak with them about faith in God, they became upset. You can see the sorry state of our lives, one said. How can you speak to us about faith? We're worlds apart from you. We have done so many bad things God could never forgive us. I took out my Bible and I read John 3.16. For God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I explained, this passage doesn't say God will accept people based on who they are or what they have done. God said, whoever. And the only condition is that you believe on his son. The man earnestly responded, we are insignificant to God. It will not help us now to come before him and ask him to forgive us. We are poor and homeless. We live here on this beach and we're so dirty people hate to even look at us. I said, do not say that you are beyond hope, my friends. In God's sight, you are of as much value as any other person. One of them asked, what do you want us to do? I answered, for me, you do not have to do anything. What you must do is for yourselves. You must come to God, worship him, be faithful to him and bear fruit for his glory. Regardless of what you see when you look in the mirror, you will be children of God and will never again doubt your worth before him. They opened up and told me about their lives. They were alcoholics and had lost their families and homes. I told them it would be easy for you to stop drinking. They were surprised and one asked, How? I replied, open your hearts before God. He will listen and answer your prayer. He will enable you to turn from alcohol. Shall we do it now or wait until we go to bed, one asked. I couldn't tell if they were being serious or mocking, so I said, if you are not serious about this, I'll be glad to leave you alone. No, no, we are very serious, he assured. Good, I responded. You can go to a quiet spot on this beach and pray silently in your hearts. Tell the Lord of your sins and ask him to forgive you and become your savior. Will you wait here for us? he asked. I assured them I would. I waited and watched for more than a half hour as they both sat quietly under the hot sun with their heads slightly bowed and very serious expressions on their faces. As I waited... I prayed the Lord would open their eyes and hearts and draw them to himself. The two men returned full of joy because the Lord had taken away their stony hearts and given them hearts of flesh. Ezekiel 36:26. The Lord has given them a new heart and a new spirit, the spirit of the living God, and they were rejoicing in him. And so, of course, was I.
As we close, I'll remind you once more about the book, The Chariot of Israel. You can purchase your copy when you call our listener line at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. Or you can write to us at FOI Radio P.O. Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Or simply visit us at foiradio.org. Again, that's foiradio.org. Our host and teacher is Chris Gatolka. Our associate producer and engineer is Tom Gallione. Mike Kellogg read Apples of Gold. Our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. And I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. Next week, we look at Isaiah chapter 53. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people. Thank you.